0: Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Welcome to a contingency planning episode. Greg, how are you doing? I'm all right, Bells. I feel like this uh, this game this Saturday has kind of snuck up on us. All of a sudden, here it is. We will talk about that. We'll talk about the game on Sunday, but first we're going to talk about ways to solve the midfield when the full Musa McKenny adams complement is unavailable. I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but I think it's widely agree, agreed upon that Adams at the 6 and Musa
1: McKenney at the 8 is our best midfield right now. I don't know that anyone would object to that. Now, I, I'll, I take that back. There's going to be a couple objections, and it's going to usually come in the uh, shape of a Gio Reyna. Yes. For sure, and we we do want to talk about that.
0: We just want to give this subject sort of its full a full treatment or at least as full of a treatment as we're capable of um that midfield Musa McKenney Adams they downed Mexico uh but there will continue to be matches where not all three are available that has that has been the case, and it will continue to be the case. so what then and I'd say we you know we've been approaching this topic in different ways over the past several months. We've talked about a second six and a fourth eight kind of made jokes out of those things. Acosta seemed to solve the second six problem over the summer. He played really well against Mexico in Nations League and played pretty well in Gold Cup. And then we, we on this podcast, we kind of thought of Sebastian Leggett as the third eight, right? I mean, that's what we, that's kind of where we we're coming from.
1: Yeah, it it felt like he was a safe choice there until some youngster uh, just, you know, flew past him on the depth chart. Right. And then
0: Leggett continued to disappoint. I think throughout the summer and the way he played, uh, and then he and Acosta had a very very poor game against Panama, um, where we lost one zero and looked totally ineffective, and so now we're kind of back to the drawing board, um, and and it shows that we're back to the drawing board when we don't have McKenney and Musa when one of them is missing, as as McKenny was uh, in our in our last game at Jamaica, that we that we really need some kind of other solution. So we're going to talk about some possible solutions. We're going to talk about the way Burhalter is likely to solve these problems. And um, I mean, do you want to start by ranting about the fact that there aren't enough eights on this Bosnia, Bosnia roster?
1: <laughs> well, we got We got a little bit of update on that uh, in the form of some, some reporting that one uh, Taylor Booth has been training as an eight, which we, we kind of speculated that Booth and Clark are sort of those uh, in betweeners. Um, and so Booth apparently Getting reps is an eight who drops deep, specifically. Like, so even more specifics about his role as that eight in training. Uh, And I would, I'm very interested in seeing that. I thought Booth had a really good loan spell in the Austrian first division last season, Uh, was putting up kind of silly numbers, like better numbers than Aronson in the minutes he got uh, domestically, Um, but was kind of still under the radar. I mean, it's Austria. I I get it. You're not playing for Salzburg. You're under the radar if you're in Austria. Right. Uh, but then, like we just he he just kind of fell into obscurity because he didn't get his loan move through Bayern munich this uh this fall, and he's obviously not cracking Bayern munich's so, first first team, so he's one that I'm actually really curious about. I'm curious to see what kind of player he is uh whether he can do that role he's one of the definite like definite possibilities for for like a surprise in this camp
0: yeah, and I think i mean he's one that i i mean i'm I'm definitely interested to see him there too and i think as a general rule we should be trying everybody who could conceivably fit in that eight role at the eight role but there are a lot of there are a lot of other options that aren't anywhere near this camp right now and you you mentioned yes you mentioned earlier one of them geo reina as one of the
1: yeah. eights yeah Raina is an eight and and should we just get right into like the mma replacement uh <laughs> scenarios yes yeah yeah please it's- so I think Reina, for me, Gio Reina as the 8 uh, is the obvious scenario that continues to put the best players we have onto the field. Like, I don't think there's any question that putting, if you're missing Yunus Musa and you have everyone else available healthy, uh, putting Reina into that spot and then bringing in our third winger, who in my opinion would be a Tim Weah, uh, to play opposite Pulisic, puts by far like our best, our most talented 11 on the field out of any other combination. Right. Yeah and then
0: just on the narrow question like in a vacuum of whether Reina fits the parameters for that position I mean he has the athleticism he has the cage match ability he probably brings he definitely brings more of a cutting edge than uh
1: Musa or McKenney I mean like in terms of his profile as a player So um you talking are you talking their cutting edge like within 20 yards of goal is that kind of what you're Yeah referring to? like like you yeah. see I mean we talked about this a little bit on Monday but you see Reyna
0: winding up to take a shot from 20 yards, you think it's probably going to go on frame. You know, um, you don't, I, I'm a huge fan of Eunice Musa, but you don't necessarily have that feeling when Musa is winding up to shoot from 20 yards. He has a, he brings so much to the table, but
1: I think Reyna's a little more refined in the last 20, 25 yards. Well, and that, that's why we use him there quite honestly. Right. Right. Like that's, that's one of the reasons that he feels like, uh, he needs to stay up as a merchant is because that's a, a one line closer to goal. So right. uh, that's the reluctance to drop him. But then what we've seen from Tim Weah over the last two windows is somebody who can absolutely play that spot and not be like a tremendous liability in attack. Boy, that's an understatement. I mean, he <laughs> I was going for understatement, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're comparing him to Gio Reyna, who's, you know, one of the most talented players uh, that we've seen play in these attacking roles for us. Um, since I've been following the national team, I know it's early and people don't like to make people making those sorts of, uh, proclamations when a kid's 18, but just the talent we have seen him display for Dortmund and at times for the U S uh, he has boatloads. So I do want to be like careful about saying it's not a drop off to go to somebody else, but Weya has been fantastic uh, and fairly consistently fantastic so far for the national team. Another, another reason
0: to drop Reina into one of the eight positions is because he, that's what he played for Dortmund at the beginning of the season. You know, he was a, he was a central midfielder and it's kind of easy to forget that because he, he's barely played for Dortmund because he got hurt in that first international window and he hasn't been back on the field since. Um, but, you know, that's the that's the role he's playing for his club. It's not exactly the same role, but it's it's a, it's more similar than a winger role or, a you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. And this this is where a lot of people were already saying, even even before we the the Tim Weah uh, emergence, people are already kind of saying, hey, Reyna should definitely be one of our eights. This was also before uh, we saw Musa dominate uh, the way he did against Mexico. Um, is dominate the right word? Can I use that? Can I throw out dominate? I think you can. Yeah, I was just
0: watching a few more clips about
1: it. Uh, you know, from that game earlier today.
0: Yeah, he dominated.
1: He really did. So we had that between those two things happen. Like Musa dominating makes it like, oh, well, maybe we don't have to drop Reyna into the midfield. And then uh, Wea looking as good as he did makes it like, oh, we totally could get away with dropping Wea or Reyna into the midfield. So we have. Uh, this is again why I think Reyna as a as a possible eight or a backup eight is is like a obvious solution now yeah is it is it so obvious that greg berhalter is considering it is there any evidence that he is i definitely think there's evidence that he is because in that first window when the roster was announced one we barely had any eights we didn't bring any eights in that first world world cup world cup qualifying window either um and one of the takeaways everyone had immediately and was speculating about was Berhalter's is going to try reina as an eight and then i think berhalter even said something to that effect of course he then torpedoed all those expectations by starting Aronson as an eight and Reina on the wing in game one. Right. Against away away to El Salvador. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I think there's, I think there is some, some indication that Berhalter open to that idea. And again, it just, it seems like Reina could really do that job uh, with minimal drop off. If you're putting in Timway at Oregon or Brendan Aronson, if it's Pulisic and Aronson, that's still two pretty good wingers. Uh, by our historical standards. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so Reyna as the eight is—I think—is it fair to say it's your favorite alternative to the MMA midfield? It's my 100. Yeah. Do
1: you have a? Do you have one you like better? No, I do. I do not. Okay. Um,
0: but we're going to have to go down the list because there are other possibilities. Um, Luca Della Torre as one of the eights. Now he he got to play as an eight against Jamaica, I believe. Right, Jamaica at home. He got about 15 minutes. In a game that was killed off at that point. So it's kinda of hard to take too much from it. But he looked pretty good. And as we've talked about in this podcast many times, he looks good for Heracles Almela in the Eredivisie. And he has sort of, you know, the counting stats and the and the passing percentage in the opponent's half to show that he does he does bring some ball progression. But he has not been uh in favor with Berhalter. Like he wasn't called up for the last window. Uh so I don't know. What do you think about this as a number two, as a second option or
1: a plan B? So, yeah, I'm going to be super boring and, and, you know, Reina by far my favorite replacement in that, in that, uh, trio, every, like everything else tied for second. <laughs> uh, and, and Luca De La Torre is, would be, I'd be perfectly fine to see him in the roster for this next window. And if he starts one of the games as a rotation guy, uh, I'd be like, okay, let's see what he can do. This will be interesting. This could be kind of fun. Uh, it, it, it's not like by, I don't think of it in any way as like, oh, he would for sure succeed. Like, he has been uh, decent for Heracles. Uh, he had a decent cameo for us in that Jamaica game. He also like clipped a guy's heels in the box and it could have been a penalty in the 90th minute. Uh, so, like, I still have the similar concerns that I have about a lot of our other untested eights um, that, like, defensively, they could be liabilities. Uh, so, you know. I don't know. Where where are you on Luca? Like, are you like, no, he he's for sure going to make no, us better. Are you like, yeah. All right. Well, I gotta, I gotta ask. I
0: guess, I guess I have to, I have to gauge these things by the level, the level of how intriguing they are to me. And
1: uh, <laughs> that's a fair way to rank them yeah. after that. Because again, it's just everyone else is so outside of legit. Like no one else has gotten these extended roles. Like it's been legit and Acosta. Uh, other, even when we get to Buzio, like he's had the one start, uh as a real eight for us I think in, in his time. Yeah. And that was a that was a
0: game where I mean I think there was some debate like well let's just move right on to Busio because I I'm I'm intrigued by Luca Della Torre. Um I think he's it's fun to watch him at Heracles. I do agree. I mean he he gave up a penalty just this past weekend um by pulling on a guy's shoulder. as a tiny little foul but it was a dumb one in the box and and it, it, it resulted in the game winner for uh, Heracles' opponent. So that's, a, that's you know, he can't do that. Got to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so next is Busio. Um, what you, what's your sort of assessment of his performance at the eight against Jamaica? I know we've talked about it before, but let's just try to rehash and summarize a little bit.
1: So I thought I thought he was when he got the ball he was pretty safe with it. There weren't any I didn't think there were any like mind blowing passes. And I'm not saying that he missed like a, a bunch of mind blowing passes. I feel like overall the team was kind of stale uh, with the movement and the decision making. Uh, so he he was safe when he had the ball, which is not again it's not a terrible uh, floor to set. Uh, yeah, but he, he wasn't someone who like Musa like we've seen from Musa or McKenney, can like sort of just make something happen uh that's like my that's like my advanced analytics framing of it uh like buzio is and i haven't really seen that from venezia either so i know a lot of people are really high on his venezia play i'm i'm super stoked that he has gone into the uh italian first division like seized a role as a starter on a you know mid table ish team uh and doesn't look at a place but also like he isn't a guy who just will like make huge things happen. That just isn't him, right? He's sort of an accumulation guy where over 90 minutes, he might have a couple of passes that sort of advance their position a little bit and and sort of help them minimally. Uh, And I don't mean to to sound like that's a harsh criticism. There's nothing wrong with having that be uh, your existence as a 19 year old playing in Serie A. Right.
0: And I think, I mean, I guess maybe I think you're being a little bit withholding a little bit of praise that's justified. Like he does the, he does that thing where he, he plays the right, like as Cruyff said, plays the right pass with the right weight to the right foot very consistently in a way that is, um, that I think is more than just sort of playing safe and sort of progressing them. Well, I don't know, sort of progressing the ball probably does kind of, kind
1: of catch it. But <laughs> so he plays, he plays safe, but very well, like, right. He plays, he keeps the rhythm going. He, he, he isn't like, Oh, the the possession doesn't stop dead in its tracks when it's, uh Bucio's feet. No. Certainly not. But he's not like, oh man, I did not think that pass was gonna be made. I didn't realize that pass was even on until Bucio hit it. No, you know what yeah, I mean he doesn't do that. He's he's more guy. he's and got he Marky de- Delgado vibes in terms of uh rhythm <laughs> building. Yeah, and so if you're not hitting those passes, which again I'm not saying that has to be the pass you hit, uh, but you're you're also definitely not giving us the Musa and McKenny like suddenly I've dribbled three three grown men and like managed to actually put them on their ass. While I'm dribbling, like then, then it's sort of, you know, what are you giving us? And if it's just, well, you don't hurt us in the way an alternative American midfielder would, that could be enough to carve out a, a role in the team. It's just going to be not quite as exciting as what we've started to get excited about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he, he seems to have some kind of role under burhalter now. Uh, what are the other options here? You, we already talked about booth. I guess we can throw Caden Clark in the same category, even though there's no evidence that Caden Clark is being played at the eight right now. There's no evidence one way or another. We'll find out Saturday. Right. But, um, I guess Clark falls, really falls in that category of, this is a good athlete. He's a, he's becoming a big kid. I think his dad tweeted the other day that he's, he's, he keeps growing. So he's like over six feet tall now or six feet tall now. um, I don't know if he has the sort of the tactical acumen to play in that role or, or whatever, but he is, we should try him there. I guess that's, that's as much as I'll say about it. Do you have any thoughts on
1: Clark at the eight? Um, I guess I'm hoping to see Clark Booth or we'll get into it in the preview, I'm sure. But yes, I hope Clark uh, sees some time at the eight. I shouldn't even say that. I don't really care if Clark sees time at the eight <laughs> in this camp. I hope, I hope Clark gets time and looks good wherever. He, if Clark plays in the half space. And looks fantastic. I'm not going to be like, ah, too bad. We didn't try him at the eight. I'll be glad to see him look good somewhere else. But, uh, I would be interested in seeing him play the eight.
0: So then there's, there's another option, which we've bandied about here on this podcast and elsewhere. Um, Josh Sargent is one of the eights. He's a, he's a high energy player. He's a decent, um, physical presence. He can play with his back to goal, uh, he can find a pat. He can find feet. He can solve a little bit of a problem in tight space. Why not? Why not try him as an eight eventually? Is it too much? Is it too crazy at this point?
1: I mean, it's a little cute, but like, uh, again, we, we talked about it last pot. I think we said, uh, it's a lot of squiggly shapes that we're putting into squiggly shaped holes. So, uh that wouldn't be too much different like again like Legette is kind of this guy right when we play kellen acosta there like we're playing guys in these roles who don't necessarily fit exactly uh from what they do with their clubs and we just kind of roll with it so uh like you can't necessarily rule anyone out i'm not like super eager to see sergeant uh in that in that position i have no idea he, I, I don't think he has ever touched that role for his club um but yeah no he has. sure If if we were If we were, uh, if we're running a a game in June this summer that has no consequences and I don't know, man, I don't, I don't see that being a priority to test out. I know you're very curious about it, so I want you to have it, but I'm not sure when we would try. It's
0: definitely the part of the field he's most familiar with as a, (laughs) as
1: an attacking player in the Bundesliga and Premier League, the middle third. But there, there, again, when. And, and I I agree with that. Yeah, he he rarely sees the ball in the attacking third. So it's like, oh, he should be right at home. But then there are also like the considerations of the way he sees that space is as a forward coming in. Like he he hasn't had to see that space or work in that space as a midfielder and yeah, totally. all of sort of the knock on uh, context that goes with that of like, oh, well, then there's a whole nother layer of defenders around you that you have to be accounting for uh, in this like 360 degree awareness. So... It's it's not a priority for me, and I'm very hopeful that we will have already solved the problem before we even have a chance to test Sargent there. So I'm hoping we solve it in in December and January, and we aren't like come March still being like, would Sargent work as one of the eights? Yeah, I hope not too. Um, I, I I do want to see Josh Sargent succeed
0: as a player though, and I do wonder if he is going to succeed as a player at the at the nine position. I mean, it's not he doesn't play as a nine for. Norwich, but that's not our main concern. Our main concern is the <laughs> success of the national team, which Sargent is not really a core member. Is not a core member of right now. Maybe not a member of at all at the moment. Um, Christian Roldán, he's a he's another one. Um, we have some big Christian Roldán fans in the Discord. And um, what do you think about Roldán as an eight? You've you've weighed in on this subject before, but why don't you do it again?
1: I don't want to see Christian Roldan play the eight for the national team. I could see it in this camp as just a placeholder, which again frustrates me because I feel like this would be the perfect camp not to use a placeholder there. This could be the camp where we do the most searching for an eight. Uh, That can, that can be a real backup. Roldan, I think played the eight in the last 30 minutes against Mexico in the gold cup final. And it's sort of the same thing. I always kind of pick up on is that I don't think he controls the space. Well, uh, And that worries me. So I don't think he has a real like future with the national team as an eight. Did you follow the reporting on Roldan? I think, I mean, it wasn't even reporting on, it was direct quotes from Roldan. Yeah.
0: I mean, what what did he say? He said, basically, he's been a little confused about his role, um,
1: but. Frustrated. Yeah. He said frustrated about what position that they think of him as. So I don't think it's like he's confused about what he's supposed to do when he's actually on the field. The frustration is like they tell me I'm a midfielder, but then they only play me as a as a wing, as a sub off the bench. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to second guess his frustration there.
1: No, not at all. Uh, I just I just read it and I'm like, yeah, man, like that's that's kind of they might be seeing the same thing that that some of us are seeing. Like you you can't quite do that job or you're a bit of a risk or of exposure in central midfielder that risk is substantially mitigated defensively by putting you out on the wing and you still are like a good hustle, you know, definitely uh, establish a medium floor by putting you in that half space. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, um, Jeremiah O'Shan, the the guy who does Sounders at heart, that podcast um, wants to have me on to talk about how Roldan and Morris are viewed by the, the national team fan base. And I, I said absolutely because I I'm a I like Jeremiah, um, but it's gonna be a I'm gonna have to really think about what I say about that because they're not pop, they're not super popular you know with the fan base I mean more more so than Roldan but anyway it's partly because of the you know unfairness of the fan base and stuff but but also you know I get a heavy dose of Velasquez in my life and. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm no. trying to tip your scales as well no so i mean give me your give me your don't don't feel like you got to speak for the the entire u.s men's national team fan base <laughs> here what's what's your feeling on rolled then i mean i i'm i'm heavily influenced
0: by you i mean this idea of pitch control is a good way to think about it i think and we don't get a lot of pitch pitch control from from rolled on um on the wing uh I can see it. I mean, I know he has success in Seattle, but if we have our full complement of wingers, I don't think he's on the roster. You know, Um, he doesn't break into the roster. So I think he's a, I think he's a good soldier for the national team and an excellent guy. Um, But I would not be surprised or disappointed if he weren't on the World Cup roster. You know,
1: when we go to the World Cup. (laughs) All right, there you go. So yeah, so when if we're talking about the uh, the MMA contingencies here, like for me, Roldan doesn't basically like doesn't exist on the depth chart like i i would probably be like now just run lejet back i know he had a shocker against panama but uh like knowing that he's gonna have a few weeks off now here and then uh knowing what we have seen him do i'd still just be like if we have to roll the dice between those two just give me legit back but i'm hopeful that we again have other options emerge that make either of those choices uh not like forced upon us so, for y- not that they even are, I think you could definitely say those choices already aren't forced upon us. We're we're electing them at times. Yeah. So for you, it's number
0: one, Reyna in a landslide here as the as a replacement for Musa or McKinney if either of them is not available, followed by yep, LDLT or somebody else, Clark tied for second, basically.
1: So it'd be it'd be Luca and Buzio, and then. Uh, I'm just going to have to do my l- obligatory like I'd rather play Dwayne Holmes out of position there. Yeah. Uh, and I know that he just doesn't exist for a lot of people uh, in their mind, in their U.S. men's national team mind. But he for me would be like the he would do the legit job that legit used to do fairly well, that he's not doing very well anymore, um, where he's he's probably better suited. Holmes would probably be better suited higher up the field. Yeah. Individually, like if you're trying to max out his individual talent. But he could give us some of the things that that ball progression and that like mentality to get the ball forward. Uh, he doesn't get little brothered. Like that's just a guy who I think could step in and fill that squiggly shaped hole in midfield for us. Yeah, capably. And it's and it's
0: probably not going to happen. That the the home. Don't see it yeah. happening. So Berhalter, what will happen? Uh, do you think Burhalter's just going to sort of ride with Leget Acosta and Busio, unless like. You know, unless Clark or
1: I don't know, Clark or Booth just absolutely plays lights out in this camp. Yeah, and we should throw I guess Cole Bassett in that mix too as an eight. Yeah, uh, and they, they'd have to right, and that's 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 why when we talk about the Bosnia game here in a second, like they would have to look really good to I think get a shot because again, Lucas looked good and and he seems to be uh, in the cold, so I'm not sure what it would take in this extended camp for them to actually like elbow their way into the depth chart, because I kind of agree. I think Beralder feels fine, not necessarily thrilled, but I mean, let has been left out of, uh, he was left out of the squad against Costa Rica after that Panama uh, performance. And then he didn't see the field in the other two games um, in the following window. So Beralder, and that is definitely unusual for what legit's job has been in the year and a half, you know, previous where he was, in every single camp and starting or playing significant minutes in basically every game. So to see his role diminish means Berhalter clearly is not as happy with him at the moment with his soccer uh, showings. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think, you know, we can say he wouldn't let the guy go. Yeah. Well, it feels to me like, so I,
0: Bucio's is not tied with LDLT or some of the other options for me because we have seen Bucio and I think there is reason to think that he didn't, Uh, you know, that we could get something more out of that position on the field uh, from somebody else,
1: so we got we got a so chance. Hold on, so to see you're it. saying, so you're saying, Buzio might be lower than than Buzio wouldn't be tied for second. You'd in rather, my, you'd rather, in like, my mind, okay. in my mind,
0: yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, just because we've seen it, and it's not like he played terrible or anything. It, he was, he was. I think we described it adequately earlier. He was okay, um, but we didn't control that game the way we controlled the game against Mexico. And, you know, people are naturally going to say, well, what's the difference? Well, we were missing McKenney and we had Busio in M- McKenney's spot. So, yeah, I, I, I'm more curious about LDLT at this point, Luca Della Torre, than I am about Busio, given that we've seen a Busio start
1: in a World Cup qualifier. Let's move to I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's totally fair. And I, I also think, you know, even going back to the Gold Cup, I don't think Busio did anything terribly impressive in the Gold Cup either. So while, again, I'm not riding against Busio here, there hasn't been anything for the national team so far that, like, demands that he remain the number two sort of option after MMA. Right. So curiosity demands that we see someone else. <laughs> um, now, those are all... Can I, also, can, I, can I also caveat the entire discussion we just had <laughs> with, like, it's not necessarily the case that the that the midfield uh, drop-off is the issue. Like we might solve it other ways. And I hope we can, because it's also kind of uh would also be a bit of an indictment of our ability to <laughs> perform as a team that with all the talent we have everywhere else on the field, we can only do it with these three particular midfielders. Well, I'm yeah, I'm not
0: ready as a judge. I'm not ready to throw that indictment out just yet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are all possibilities if Musa or McKenney is missing. Now, what about if Tyler Adams is missing?
1: Why don't you give, what's your number one uh, alternative? So it's still Reyna, right? It's still to, it's not Reyna at the six, obviously, but it's to get Reyna into the midfield, get way on the wing and get the most talent we have on the field. And for me, it's, that means moving Weston McKenney to the six. Uh, I know already that everyone's going to balk and say, or there will be balking, uh, because Wes is very good at you know driving the game forward, and you you sort of you totally undercut that ability by dropping him to the six, where he might have to be a little bit more disciplined. But I think with Musa on the field, you can still have some ability for Wes to go forward. You know when he sees openings, and Mo- Musa can cover temporarily, right? Like it's not like oh no, Wes is gone and now we're completely unable to protect our back line. Like t- these guys can do it for for short spells. So yeah, Wes for me. Move him to the six. I don't. I don't want anything else to be the the first choice. So I, my guess is Calna Costa is the is the choice.
0: That seems to be Berhalter's choice. So yeah, I I would agree. Wes at the six is my number one option. Not because I I I think there's reason to worry about it. Like he will probably he will probably switch off every now and then and miss a runner and it might cost us goals. You know, I mean that's 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 what Adams is so 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 good at. And Wes is not as good at it, at that.
1: Um, so there's some, or he wasn't, he used to not be, right? We haven't seen him play like a, a real six or even one of like a double pivot for the U S
0: or his or a club
1: really since 2019, right? He was playing it a little bit. He played the six for Shulka in that spring season. So that would have been spring of 2020, right? Right before he went to Juve, uh, he got a couple of games in a row as the like pure single six.
0: Okay. I guess that's
1: true. And he was fine. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't amazing, but he was, he was totally fine. Looked, looked mostly comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, I just want to acknowledge the, the, the anti part of the argument before I say, uh, like he's, he's good. He's a good soccer player. He can figure it out. You know, I mean, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not impossible for him to do this.
1: Well, and look, there was a reason, there's a reason that Schalke was able to play him at like seven different positions on the field, right? He is versatile. He's incredibly versatile. So while it might not be our favorite thing that that was going on uh, and we wanted some consistency for him, there's, there is a reason that like, oh, you need to, you need to plug a hole somewhere. Weston McKinney can basically do anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just, I was just listening to Harrison Perez, Harrison Perez talk about, Weston's how Weston changed MLS by leaving Dallas when he turned eighteen. And I was just like, man, this dude is—he's uh, probably the most influential national team player in in a lot of ways. Like he changed the model for development, not the model for development, for the, the the model for selling young players in the United States of America. Plays at Juventus, arguably our most
1: indispensable player right now. I know that's very arguable. But <laughs> I'm just I'm just laughing about like this like him being the most influential cuz I'm like dude can do everything. The dude will the dude will hit a bicycle kick against Barcelona in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Exhibit C, exhibit F. Um So the other options, what about Musa at the 6?
1: I I wouldn't balk at that either. There you know, there aren't a lot of things I'm going to balk at here. Uh, but I don't. I don't have any reason to think that he would be really good at it. <laughs> how's how's that? Yeah, no, that's fair.
0: So I mean, I guess it's if it's if Adams is missing, you don't have to move Musa to the six. You just move
1: West there. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, there'd be no reason for me to be like, oh, we'll, we'll put Musa there and play West and Reina ahead of him, rather than be like, that doesn't make sense. Put West there and, and let Musa still be Musa. But what if West and Musa are both missing? <laughs> Then, like we no, said, I mean we West we and Adams. Actually... West and Adams. I mean, yeah. Okay, so at that point, again, like okay, Acosta or or you know, like the guy you have next up here on your list, James Sands. Uh, you know, if we're if we're into our third choice here, we're not going to be thrilled with it. We're going to be like, okay, well, I guess this is what we'll do. But it's nice to be able to say that we're settling for a guy in Kellen Acosta who absolutely like had the best game in recent memory against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Uh I know he was not good against Panama, but we've seen that as a third choice guy, he can beat a good team. Yeah. That's not nothing. Yeah.
0: Why did he play so badly against Panama? I don't <laughs> understand it.
1: It, was a, it looked like he was asleep.
0: <laughs> uh, so, the other option here, I have other options I have here Sands gets a real chance as a six behind Musa and McKenney. I mean, he hasn't really gotten that opportunity. And you, dis- you disagree with that?
1: No, that's totally true. He he was uh he was basically like locked into center back for the gold cup once uh once Zimmerman went down. So most of his minutes in Gold Cup were at center back where he did pretty well. He uh, hung in there. Yeah. And then and then in that Honduras Road game, he started as a two, which I basically throw out completely as a as a way to rate him, other than saying he should definitely not play in a two uh in the central midfield. And then in the second half when we switched back when LeJet came on and we went back to three midfielders, he looked fine. He was fine at that point. Um, and again, that doesn't, that's not a huge endorsement either because Honduras are not very good, but it's, it's still at least like some data that yes, he can do some kind of a job.
0: I'm still a little, uh, intrigued because I think he brings that, um, that same Tyler Adams sense of responsibility defensively. And like, he's just, he's just locked into that job of like following runners and preventing danger from developing. He is not, uh, I mean, he has limits for sure, but I'd like to see, I'd I'd almost rather see, well, would I rather see him than Acosta? I don't know.
1: I don't, I don't <laughs> know about that. Yeah. I, I'm i kind of like back to where I was with legit and Roldan. Uh, I would still rather, if it came to it and, and we had to use Acosta or Sands at the six, I'd be like, give me the guy who actually like beat Mexico for 120 minutes.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then, and then another option is Buzio, have a, have a true deep lying playmaker.
1: That's not for me. I'm, I'm a hard pass on that one. Where do you, where are you on that? Uh, yeah. I th- Hard pass is maybe a little strong, but I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to start a game like that. If it, I think we've talked about this, if you're playing a team that is like totally chosen to sit deep and defend and bunker, uh, I think you could maybe make like a mid game or, or late game switch and be like, okay, well, there's no threat coming at us the other way. We're going to just put in Buzio to see if he can sort of, uh, Carve teams up, but again, I also don't think Buzio has been any kind of like team carver upper with a, with the national team as of yet. Yeah,
0: I really I appreciate your contrarian view on this because um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's been a, he's been an okay passer, but you're, you know what I mean? Like he's, I do. He, he's yeah. not hitting like uh, you don't your jaw doesn't drop like we, we've seen like John Brooks hit passes where your jaw drops, uh, and we aren't really getting those from Buzio yet. Weston's hit passes that make my jaw drop. In the past. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Ber- I'm not saying, and I'm not saying he can't do it either. I'm just saying there's nothing right now that I've seen that I'm like, Oh, we got to get him on here because he can really dice a team up. Right. Well, Burhalter's choice
0: is probably going to be Acosta. It seems to be the, the move from
1: coach Burhalter. So as, as the pure, like backup, right? Like anything happens to Adams Acosta comes yep. in. I think so. And and again, we got we to throw more caveats in here because we haven't seen Burhalter make any choices with Reina available and Pulisic available and Waya available. Not that we're going to have that happen in January, but uh, we, we've yet to see that because so many of these guys have missed so much time.
0: Well, here we are, having spent more than half an hour talking about many things that are probably <laughs> never going to happen. Well, welcome to Scott. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> we'll um we'll get into Bosnia here real quick, but first, let me just say uh this podcast is listener supported it is ad free. We would like to ask you to please consider supporting the podcast uh you can find the link to our patreon in the show notes and if you join the patreon, you become part of the discord, which
1: is both blessing and curse you have the option to be yeah. not, you don't 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 feel like you're suddenly like Whisked through an interdimensional portal into the Discord as soon as you click on that, <laughs> and you're stuck in the there. You can't get page. out. No. Uh,
0: so the friendly versus Bosnia, can you tell? You've been doing a little research on the opponent. Can you uh, tell us about the team that they're bringing?
1: I mean, I've done minimal research on the opponent, and, and it was basically just like hours oh. of research. <laughs> uh, I mean, they are they're bringing. Uh, this is not a. If if you have been following Bosnia at all for the last. 10 or 12 years at any point uh, you will not actually recognize anyone on this roster even still, because uh, out of the 19 players, I think that are on their list uh, they have eight total caps. Uh, It's totally experimental. It's almost entirely domestic based. So the Bosnian league um, is, is supplying all the players to this team. I went back to their last world cup qualifying roster from November um, when they were still alive to advance as, as like the second place team out of their group uh, going into the first game of the November window that 11 that they put out on the field in that World Cup qualifier had like 200 caps between them. Mm. Uh, So they have, you know, this is just nothing close to what a Bosnia team looks like. Um, There's no overlap between this roster and the group that played in November. This is, this is like, we, I'm really curious a year from now, how many guys who play in this game for Bosnia will have gotten another cap for Bosnia uh, on their senior (laughs) team. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, it's not uh, a powerhouse that's rolling into Carson, California. Um, Burhalter made it clear in the Behind the Crest video that came out recently that the point of this camp is to keep guys fit and to try to expand the player pool. But I thought it was interesting how he said, it's not guaranteed to expand the player pool. That is up to you to make that happen. Was he, he talking to us? Is this smoking <laughs> the bear?
1: What what's happening?
0: Here? It's Uncle Sam. Uh yeah, it was it was uh he was talking to the players. Uh and okay, I think <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> it's up to you, Greg. Uh I and I, I like that because it's like um it's a kind of I like that sort of laying the cards on the table thing where it's like you gotta you gotta you got you basically gotta break through. You can't it's not gonna be handed to you.
1: Um and and with the group with the group named here like that that makes sense like there's there's like nobody on here uh that isn't already in the in that sort of floating pool of world cup qualifying players uh that i'm like oh this guy's in it just he just hasn't had a chance yet you know like there are a lot of there are a lot of names that you can be hopeful about but nobody that that is like we already know he's in based on what he's done in, in his, for his club, and it was just a matter of the finding the right window to call him up. Yeah, right.
0: Well, I'm I'm gauging the success of the camp on on that. Really, I mean, I will someone emerge as a legitimate eight option, or will one of these young left backs get to start and and look good? And and one of those young left backs is winnowed down to just Jonathan Gomez because Kevin Paredes is out with a minor ankle injury, so. It's either Bello or Gomez starting. I think there's e-
1: yeah, and that, go ahead. That one, that one hurt the most because out of all the like from the description I just gave about no one's really done anything with their club to like demand demand a call up. Paredes was probably the closest one. Yeah,
0: well, so much shade thrown at USL uh, All Defensive Team <laughs> Jonathan Gomez. No, yeah, I mean Paredes is uh, that 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 hurts to not be able to see him. So I guess um. My wish list. I'll I'll jump right into that since it is the um, holiday season. What's that?
1: Jump in, but we're gonna we're gonna alternate. I don't want to I don't want to have to try to follow your list. That'd be too much pressure. Okay, why don't
0: you go first then? Give your first one. Oh, oh
1: man, you just slipped on me. <laughs> All right. Well, the one I'm stealing then is uh I want Jordan Morris to look like a man amongst boys. I, I'm I want he's back uh, from injury. Played like two games for Seattle, uh, and I don't think he's gonna be like quite ready ready yet but i want him i want him to like come out and just be dominant in this game dominant relative to our his own teammates dominant to this bosnian amateur team that's coming out i know that's overly harsh but dominant against this totally inexperienced bosnian team yeah
0: yeah i mean great i love it i hope that i hope that happens too i'm i'm like i'm like thinking ahead so where does he fit into the 23 i guess we'll find out we'll find out in the next few months uh, Mine would be for Jonathan Gomez to show out and get some momentum heading over to Real Sociedad. It feels like the odds are more in George Bellow's favor for a start. Like he's been, he's, he's, he started in a World Cup qualifier for the U.S. under Berhalter. He's gotten
1: two, two World Cup qualifiers, two away World Cup
0: qualifiers. Oh yeah, he started Panama too, didn't he? Um, Yeah. Wow. Wow. And then, um... <laughs> You know, he also started in the Gold Cup final against Mexico. So he has some he has some real experience under his belt. Maybe this is the time to give the inexperienced guy a
1: chance, though. So who knows? Um That's that's kind of what I'm hoping. Unless unless Gomez just looks way off the pace, I'm really hoping to see him get the run out. Because again, I feel like that's what the camp should be for. Yeah.
0: I mean, he like I've said other times on this podcast, he's the aspirational uh like he's the aspirationally profiled left back. Uh a, a player who can really play intricate combinations and
1: get forward and do interesting stuff with the ball. I mean, we'll see we'll see from what we've seen against the competition that he's played so far, which we have to we have to throw that in there every time we talk about him though yeah, to date, yeah
0: I mean fair enough i I have to accept your caveats at this point with my <laughs> with my it's not so st- my not so sterling track record
1: <laughs> um what do you what's your next thing on the wish list? Okay, so my next thing is that we see two brand new eights start the match. So I don't want to see Cal Acosta start as an eight. I don't want to see Christian Roldan start as an eight. I want to see two new ones, which would be Bassett, Booth, like Clark. That's probably the only three that it could be. I don't know who else could do it. So two of those three, I really hope start. But I'm I'm sort of resigned to that being almost like unrealistic because like you'd just be almost any coach would be – too wary of the midfield totally falling apart in the game by doing that. So it's like, you got to give them some stability, whether that's Acosta or Roldan, you got to give them something, you know, to work with Yeah, some anchor.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would require, we need Acosta to start at the six, because if we don't have Acosta starting at the six, then we've got Acosta starting at one of the eights and Yule starting at the six, you know, or Cardoso or something. Um, So we need Acosta back at the six. I don't know. It's like, it's weird to talk about, a coach being wary of putting out a midfield that's going to fall apart because like we talked about earlier, you put Roldan out there, you know, it's going to fall apart. At least put the guy out there. You know, you don't know if it's going to fall apart or not,
1: you know? Uh, So I I won't even go that far. So even though I was the guy, super critical of, you know, the idea of Roldan as an eight, uh, it won't fall apart if Roldan's the eight, I don't think, because it's, it's a Bosnian U23 team that won't even be, it probably isn't even their best U23 team. Like if they were going to actually build their best U23, it probably wouldn't even be this great. Oh, yeah. It's like their version of Olympic qualifying in Guadalajara. So I think Roldan would probably be just fine as the eight in this game. It's just like, we aren't going to learn anything from that because I we already know enough about Roldan for me and, and apparently for Burhalter as well. That it doesn't really trust him in that role against upper levels of competition. Yeah. I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if Roldan or Acosta, whichever Roldan or Acosta start as the eight, which is what I'm expecting. I think they will probably eat like either of them will look fine in the game against Bosnia. Mm, okay. <laughs> um. put, put me down for that one. <laughs> okay. I don't want that. I, I've, I've, my wish list is to see neither of them as the eight, but I'm expecting one of them to do it and to look totally fine. And it wouldn't surprise me if they are our double eights, if they both start as the eight. Yeah.
0: Um, and then I, my, so my next one is I need, I need Ricardo Pepe to score a goal just for the, just for the narrative, just to increase the narrative strength, you know, um,
1: two would be better than one. (laughs) Okay. Can I piggyback off yours then? Okay, then I want one of Pepe's goals to be at least one of his goals to be assisted by Jesus Ferreira, because that would mean that Ferreira is starting not at striker or is on the field, not as a striker. If He's on there at the same time as Pepe. And I really want to see Ferreira mixing it up with more freedom to, like, go wherever he wants to go. Yeah, I'm with you. I want I want Ferreira starting on as one of the half space merchants for sure. And if Roldan starts as an eight, that could open up one of those one of those spots for him. So, yeah. Um,
0: mine is going back to the eight stuff. I just want Clark to get a run out as an eight. He seems to me, he seems like the one with the potential to actually have an impact. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying he's the one with the potential to have an impact on this world cup qualifying cycle and maybe even go to the world cup. You know, if he really, if, if, if he plays all his cards, right.
1: You know, definitely easier to get to the world cup in this group as an eight than a, than a winger. Oof. I think that's, that the I'm truth. totally comfortable saying that. Yeah. Uh, my last one is going to be, because uh, I, because I feel like you've already covered Gomez. So my last one is going to be Brian Reynolds having a standout game as a attacking right back.
0: Okay. Interesting. I, I was kind of, I'm, I was kind of ambivalent about whether it's Lennon or Reynolds who starts on the right, at right back. But um, I mean, we do, we do have high
1: hopes for Reynolds still, don't we? I kind of do. Yeah. I kind of not same with a lot of the uh, guys who find themselves in tough situations for club. Like I'm kind of just like, well, let's wait and see if his next situation is tough uh, or if this is just like a flew slightly too close to his son that that son also supernova when they hired Josie Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of the double whammy. So I'm, I'm just really curious because there are a lot of outcomes where Brian Reynolds is still a very good right back, just not Roma good. Uh, yeah. Where he could help us.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, just awfully odd that a player, I mean, we've talked about this already, but a player that went for $10 million to Roma is allowed to skip town when it's not an international window to go to a national team camp. So like, Roma, have, Roma have cratered his transfer value if they're trying to sell him later yeah. on. I
1: assume they'll, they're going to loan him in January, right? That's the scuttlebutt. Hopefully, yeah. That has to be the case. Should we, uh, I should also have just like thrown in the Aaron long when I was talking about Morris, it would be cool to see Aaron long play in this game too, whether he starts or not just to have him get on the field would be a really cool moment. I think it seems like a, a
0: lot to ask of him. Like his first, this would be his first time back from that Achilles injury, but it'd be cool to see him. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking, a Zim Zimmerman trustee center back pairing. That's my latest thought here. Uh, Gomez on the left, I'll say Reynolds on the right. Fine, and um, <laughs> Acosta Clark rolled on in the midfield. I do expect rolled on to start.
1: I'm just hoping he's been the media guy. He was uh, he was on there. He was the graphic on their tweet about the game being four game four days away. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely expecting him in the, the eleven. And since they said they see him as a midfielder in that report. I feel like that's where they're going to play him in this game because it's a zero-stakes game. You don't need to yeah. worry about any liability. It's just fine. There's there's no there's there's no negative consequences that can follow. And then uh, Ferrera, Pepe,
0: Morris across the front, and that would that would satisfy every single one of our wishes except for your wish that uh,
1: two eights be new faces. I think that's. I would. I would still. I would be okay with that. <laughs> I would. I would live with that. Yeah. yeah. The half space gets a little strange doesn't it if you if you take Roldon out of that and put him in the midfield? Yeah. It could be Clark, like Clark could run up there. I'm I'm saying that because uh has made it clear that he views Ferreira as a forward. That that obviously doesn't mean that he like I mean he since he specifically said Roldan's a midfielder even though he's played him in a bunch of spots. Uh but with Ferreira, he's he's only played as a forward and has explicitly said we see him as a 9. Um so if he if he's not on that wing, it does kind of Make you wonder who would fill that spot, and it could be like Cowell, uh on the left and and Morris on the right, or or what do you kind of see happening there?
0: Yeah, I I if it's Ferreira at the nine, if it's if Ferreira play- or just
1: just Ferreira not at the on the wing, so I'm basically Ferreira on the bench, Pepe starting. Yeah, I don't, I'm not super
0: wild about Cowl, so I guess, uh I mean, I I he's a young player, he's got a lot of talent, but anyway, um I would say. <laughs> Uh, if, if Roldan's out on the wing, or if Ferreira's not on the wing, I, th- I think I'd like to, I mean, I'd almost like to try him as an eight. I don't know. Something just to get him on
1: the ball. I don't know. You're talking about Ferreira yeah. again? No, I'm not. Well, that's great. I would love, I, I want Ferreira anywhere on the field, but I'm saying he's on the bench. Pepe's on the field. Who are your oh, winners? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um,
0: I mean, I guess it has to be Cowell
1: clark right can, can it not be clark i, know, I, want, clark be as an clark? I want clark as an eight i want clark as all right eight. uh just just to throw a little more uh gas on your cowl fire then um i think in that behind the crest video where they were playing 5v5 to big goals whatever 77 to big goals i think it was cowl out on the right side there was that really nice combination play on one of the clips yeah uh where it ended with a zipped uh pass to the right to the right winger to the uh, far post, and it was Cowell over there collecting it. And I think scored, no, no, him, but I couldn't he tell. No, he missed. It. He missed. Okay, saved. It was saved. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, so a a move that started on that the, could be Cowell yeah. That could be Cowl on the right. Okay, I mean,
0: he's a uh, you know he can he can make stuff happen. That's for sure. Uh, he dribbles out of bounds a lot too, but but he can also make stuff happen. Uh,
1: what else we got? Anything? Just, just not expecting like a a crazy, awesome game of soccer Saturday. That's fair. I want to say that, but I'm also not, it shouldn't look terrible. Like, I don't think we should look terrible. There are enough players who have been in enough camps that this isn't just like a total hodgepodge the way that January camps have been in the past. The guys aren't so far into the off season uh, that it should be like, you know, they've got their, their full dad bods going. Like they should be. Barely still fit from the season. A lot of, lot of experience with Berhalter and his, as Roldan called it, super complex system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, I, I don't think we should look terrible. And I know there's going to be like, oh, well, it's a December friendly. What do you expect? But like some of these guys should look s- somewhat in rhythm. Oh, yeah, I feel it like. should
0: look pretty good, I think. I mean, it should look competent at least.
1: Um, I was going to say. I'll be disappointed if it looks terrible. I'll be disappointed if it's just an absolute slog against an a opponent who also doesn't look good. I'll be really disappointed if, like, we somehow make this Bosnia team look good. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be like, nightmare stuff for a, what a December-friendly can be. I should
0: say, you know, you mentioned dad bods earlier, and there are dad bods, and then there are dad bods. There's, like, two, you know, different <laughs> kinds of dad bods. Um,
1: You're saying professional soccer players one month out of the season <laughs> might be a different dad bod than, say, me... <laughs> Three weeks after Thanksgiving. Yeah, or me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Fair.
0: Um, All right, we're going to try to review the Bosnia game on Sunday, uh, midday, somewhere in the midday region. Uh, Until then, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you.